Welcome everybody to chapter 31 of Legion's Cast. All right, we're back. We are back for the, with a another installment. Uh, just when they thought we were done and we were gone for a while, we come right back and say, "No, we demand your attention. We are here." By we, I do mean me, Stephen. Lord Stephen Bashadi is here, along with everybody's favorite Lazy Boy customizer, Jeremy Gerard. How you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing well, Lord Stephen, and yourself. I'm doing fantastic. I am just, I'm glad you're back on American soil. I was worried about you. You know, you go, you go running around in foreign countries with, you know, where you never know what, where you are and you're, you're, where were, where you were over, like, were you wearing a kilt? What was going on? Uh, no, I was in Ireland, so I was not wearing a kilt because I believe that is Scotland, which I, I can understand you, you know, mixing those two up, being a Scottish lord and all. You know, Scotland is probably always on your mind and always very close to your heart. You know, I would imagine if I've ever been there, it would feel like home. So, I, uh, you know. They would roll out the, the red carpet or the, the, the tartan carpet for yeah. you, and it would be it would be a wonderful homecoming. But, uh, but alas, I was not in your, your homeland. I was actually nearby, but I was in Ireland for a week, um, spent a lot of time on the, the west coast of the country. I got away from the city and spent some time over near the Cliffs of Moher, very beautiful, very, very remote area. Um, I did stay in a castle one of the nights that I was there, and I, I went to some other castles. I went to some some ruined monasteries. It was a very it had a very mythical type feeling to the entire journey. So I, I felt like even though I was far away, the realm of mythos was very close to to what I was doing. Nice. Did you see any dungeons? Uh, I did see. I mean, I. Not dungeon in the sense of prisoners were put down there at one point and tortured, but um, but I did go into some catacomby like things and stuff. So saw some cool stuff with that. Did you have like a servant when you were? Yeah, because you stayed in in a castle. Did you have a servant yeah. that like you know you it was well, pouring you drinks and, and a goblet or anything cool? No, we, I mean, we had the person that runs the castle that showed us around. And when I called him and said, Hey, my, uh, my adapter that I brought. So my, my plugs work here in Ireland doesn't work. Do you have any, I can, I can use. He brought me up some and then showed me how mine actually did work. I just wasn't inserting it correctly. So Wait a that's minute. about as servant-like as it gets. Wait a minute. So you were in a castle that had electricity? Yes, it's a renovated. It's so it was a castle. It burnt down a number of years ago, and a couple brothers. It's called Wilton Castle. Um, a couple brothers purchased it and renovated half of it. Half of it is still fairly ruined, um, but they renovated half of it. But it's the exterior looks very castle-like or very manor-like, um, but the inside is is got modern amenities. Interesting. That that thing's got to be haunted. Did you you had to see some ghosts? Was Hagnon crawling around somewhere? I did not see any ghosts. 
um, in all fairness, so w when you fly to Ireland, so I left at six o'clock at night out of Boston and the time difference there is five hours. So between the six hour flight and the five hour time difference, when I landed, it was like five o'clock in the morning, Ireland time. So you literally lose the entire night because sleeping on a plane is terribly hard anyway. But when I landed, it was only like midnight back here on the East Coast of the U.S. So I was not I didn't really sleep on the plane. But now it's 5 a.m. in Ireland. I got to get my car. I've got to get out of the, the city area and stuff. So you can't go to bed. You know, everyone tells you when you travel internationally, you immediately have to get on their time. So we didn't sleep. So by the time I got to the, and we hiked. That first day there, we hiked all over the Wicklow Mountains and everything. Um, did like a 10-mile hike after not sleeping. Uh, so by the time I got to the castle and took a shower and stuff, I was out cold. There could have been ghosts dancing on my bed, and I would have not noticed them at all. Hagnon could have been in my room glowing blue, and I would have had no idea. That would have been crazy. <laughs> Of course, if he was glowing blue, you probably would have wanted green. And if he was glowing green, you'd have been like, I wish he was blue. If he was in my room glowing blue, Chris probably would have been mocking me because he's the only one that has one. <laughs> Interesting. Well, like I said, I'm glad you're back. You're, you're, I'm you're glad I'm back, too. Safe in, in Maine, where you belong. And uh, I'm safe here in Michigan. And it's time to have a show. So, uh, well, let's get it started. We 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 got to talk about um, this uh, this book of Havolkatar two. I don't know if I said that right, but uh, today I'm talking about Cosmic Legions. Here we're talking about uh, uh, a wave that's up for pre-order as we speak, and it is uh, wow. It's called it's called Grave Knight. Um, Tell us, uh, tell us, so the, yeah, is it this weekend that the pre-order shuts down? What's going on with this, Jeremy? Yeah, so we, I refer to the, the wave as Grave Knight. The, the full name is Cosmic Legions, Valkatar Book 2, Grave Knight. And that whole, you know, the first cosmic wave was Valkatar Book 1. This smaller wave is obviously meant to be in you know, a complimentary wave to that first one. We talked about this on the reveal special that the whole idea of Valkatar having this cell block five known as the grave with this fighting arena, you know, Eric really wanted to introduce some of the combatants that would be in that arena. So in the first wave, we got the four members of the affiliation known as Grave Ring. And those are four characters that are, together and those are four of the fighters um he wanted to create some characters for them to go up against but it would have made the first wave just way way too big so having this little uh, you know add-on wave ended up being a really good idea and it's it, ironically it's not that dissimilar to the second wave of mythic legions if you remember after that i mean the first wave of mythic was even bigger but that that 1.5 wave was a nice tight four figure <laughs> wave plus the trolls so this is like that and the the pre-order does end 
this coming Sunday, that would be May 1st at 11 p.m. Eastern time. That's the, the end of the pre-order on Store Horrors. I love the way you, uh, you, you kind of, you were thinking along the same page as me about uh, the 1.5 wave way, way back in, in Mythic Legions, which has some of the most valuable figures yeah. uh, in it. I mean, Unkin's in that, in there. Uh, is, is Ilgar in there? He's got yep. some really, really sought well, after figures. Uh, Ilgar, uh, Pixis, who, yeah. you know, even though Pixis has been re-released, is still once again up there in value. People yeah. have a hard time finding him. Um, and then kind of the forgotten one in that wave is Sir Godfrey. You know, I think Sir Godfrey, a lot of people have kind of moved on from him because he is so hard to find. And a Templar Legion builder is going to give you essentially the same figure. Sure. Sure. Especially now that the, the Templars are sporting uh, a little bit more paint apps than the original uh, Templars yeah. that came out. But not anymore. The ones from reinforcements are back to just being the regular paint apps. Are they? I thought that there were. Okay. Okay. Schooled yeah, me yeah, on that. I think so there's those the the ones that came out with the uh, the all stars and kind of the re, the reissue after that those have all the extra paint apps. Yeah. So uh, if you're if you're wavering on this wave, I mean, don't let history repeat itself and be one of those people that are, you know, hunting them down later for ridiculous prices. Now's your chance. Um, yeah. I'm already seeing people because in the legions community you know it's it's an interesting time because we're all so heavily invested in mythic legions cosmic legions comes out and all of us as collectors we say this all the time the two challenges we all have to deal with are budgets and space so everyone obviously has to make decisions am i going to go into cosmic legions how deep am i going to go into cosmic legions for people like ourselves am i going to customize cosmic legions um so i'm seeing a lot of people that for you know valkatar book one went probably a little lighter definitely lighter than they would have if it was a mythic wave Mm -hmm. and i'm seeing a lot of those people now that the second wave has been introduced that are starting to say, Oh, okay. I wish I would have gotten more of book one, which I mean, there's going to be in stock sales for that. Retailers are going to have them. People who didn't get what they want from book one will certainly have an opportunity to do so. But in the meantime, book two is available now. Like you said, don't sleep on this. Um, so my question for you, Stephen, we actually haven't had a chance. This is the first Legions cast in a while. We haven't had a chance to talk about your reaction to these figures. Was there anyone in the wave, any characters in the wave that were an immediate standout for you? Yeah, although I liked them all. Um, Novian Lean is, uh, he's probably my standout. I really love, I love his color scheme. Uh, uh, I, I know it's been said before, very he's got a very kind of Bosk uh, from Star Wars color scheme to him, but yep. hey man, I like Bosk. So and he's he's quite a bit different than Bosk. His his head is a, you know he's he's different, uh, even though he is kind of a, a, a reptilian type. Um, yeah, I, I just I think he's really cool. Um, you Jeremy? Actually, the same one, which is interesting, because when I first saw the promo photos, I mean, I had seen, I saw these figures in pieces in the studio 
you know, quite some time ago. And then I saw all the promo photos um, and the, the gray alien ISIPidian was a standout immediately as well, actually as the, the Tusk Gravekeeper that, that figure and the possibilities it presented. Those were the two that from photos I was most excited about. Um, I like Novian, but, he wasn't the standout until I saw them in person. Something about the build of that figure. I think it's the combination of the very thick head and that like really bulky neck collar. It gives him such a stocky presence, even though he is certainly a 1.0 sized figure. There's something about just the silhouette of this character that makes him seem even like chunkier uh, and I love that. So he actually is my standout as well. Nice. Agreed. He 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 has that, that chunky kind of look to him. It definitely adds to his uh, his likability for me as well. Um, so I want to talk about this Tusk Gravekeeper. Um, Sligor, right? Because he's also a character. Yeah, so he's a named character, the the unhelmeted head that he comes with is uh, so the gravekeepers are supposed to be they're basically the cell block attendants they're the specific tusk soldiers that are charged with maintaining order in that specific cell block sligor is the commander of that unit i think that's really cool and i think that's an i, I think that's a really cool move that the horseman did there with that yeah. uh you know builder versus and and actually having a named a named character as well. I mean, they've done it before, but I guess it's different. I mean, if you look at Magnus, Magnus is a named character, but you, he comes with an extra helmet, so he can also be a builder. But this is kind of in reverse. It's kind of like, well, this is the Tusk Gravekeeper, and I don't know, just it's a different kind of way of going well, about it, it feels. With Magnus, it's a named character that you can swap a helmet on and use him as a builder. With the Gravekeeper, it's a named character that the the helmeted version are actually meant to be you know builders they're meant to be uh like a, a unit builder or something so it is a really different approach than in the past um he's one that i gotta tell you you know i've seen when it first got dropped there were some people that were like oh sixty dollars you know that's it's a pricier figure it's the priciest figure in the wave and I was shaking my head when people were questioning that price because the amount of gear this thing comes with, and I compare it to like the Barbarian Builder, which is the most popular figure the lines have ever released. That thing has been released multiple times and it still commands $100 on the aftermarket. I think the Gravekeeper is going to be that same thing. The fact that these parts are compatible with some of the Tusk figures from the first wave that are legitimate Legion builders, I think this is going to give fans a ton of popping and swapping and customization options. Um, I love, you know, stuff like the chest, the fact that just with that overlay piece, you can pop that off and you get a whole different torso look. It gives the, the amount of different looks you can get out of that one kit are so much more extreme than we got with any of the other builder kits in the past. I think it's, I think this is a definite winner. Awesome. Now 
I, I, I'm guessing that, and I'm going to ask you this because you're, you're the only person in the world that can answer this question for me. Pictures versus seeing him in person. Mm-hmm. I got to assume that, that, that his armor color is hard to capture on film. Yeah. I mean, like a lot of the metallic, you know, shimmery type uh, armors they've done in the past, the photos, I I feel so badly for Trevor when people say, oh, the photos don't do it justice. Don't feel badly for Trevor. Now, Trevor can do a lot of stuff. Everything he touches comes to gold. He can take a little criticism once in a while. Well, this is him staying in his lane and people are criticizing him while he's in his lane. That's maybe that's why he keeps going out of his lane. Or maybe people just don't feel sorry for him anymore because he just won't stick to one thing. He's got to have it all. Well, I, for one, feel bad for Trevor because he does wonderful photography, wonderful images, and people consistently are like, the photos don't do it justice. Um, And while I agree with it, it's not because the photos are bad. It's because when you see it in hand, you can't capture emotion in a, I'm going to say you can't capture emotion in a photo, and I know that there are photos that do capture emotion. So, <laughs> I don't know. I guess seeing this thing in hand, holding it, the the way the light will shimmer against it, that you're not going to capture that in a still photo. So, yes, the, the armor, when you see it in person, has uh, an effect on it that is going to kind of wow you. Nice. Yeah, better luck next time, Trevor. So I got to tell you, I thought your pick was going to be the cyborg-like character, Kanox Vol. When I saw that character, he's, you know, kind of barbarian-like. I mean, he's like a space barbarian cyborg. That was the one that I thought you were going to absolutely gravitate towards. What What were your thoughts on that character? I, I really like that character. He, uh... And and I can see why you would think that he he is he is something I would typically go for and I and I am going for him I I, I think he's so much fun to be honest I love his cybernetic uh, appendage is because his arm and his leg seem like they're yep. they've had a little work done to him and. Uh, no, uh, just just and, and here's another thing I want to bring up, and, and it's probably been talked about. Maybe we've talked about it. I don't know, but I am I am very happy with seeing the horsemen doing um, more expressive faces lately. Um, the gritted teeth on this guy, I love it, um, and 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 I I think that that's that's just a ton of fun for me. Uh, anytime I get a figure that has, uh a vanilla kind of expression and then uh, also, and also like a, a, a something more expressive. I always pick the more expressive version, almost always. However, his stoic stern looking face is really cool too. So, um, I don't know. I love the, 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 the cord or the, the, the cable coming out of the side of his head. <laughs> There's just, you know, a little bit of spikes there. It's got a little bit of a barbaric I mean, Like you said, that's why you thought I would like him. He's he's a winner. Um, definitely now, one of my you, favorites. Did you see the article about the figure in focus that we wrote about Kane Oxball and about his design? 
do you think I would have not read an article that you wrote? Well, I didn't want to presume. But refresh me on it, because... Someone had said when this was revealed that it looks like something that a kid from like the eighties would have drawn on his like school notebook. Yeah. And it's so funny because that's actually not far from the truth. So when I asked Eric, cause you know, I, I will ask Eric, Hey, if, you know, I want to write these articles for the site. Can you give me some content to work with? Do you have images of the sculptures and stuff? And Eric's been way good about that because, you know, when obviously when he did the first mythic stuff, we wouldn't have the website we do now. I wasn't working with them. So I wasn't always in the air saying like, hey, save early and often, you know, give me stuff, give me content. Now, when they're doing stuff, Eric's always thinking about like, hey, this would make a good story. This would make good content. But in the case of Knox Vole, he actually sketched this back in 1984. As a little kid, he sketched this, and one of my favorite parts of this story is the affiliation that Knox Vol is a part of is called the Red Spiral, and that name came from the Red Spiral notebook that <laughs> Eric sketched this character in. That is so awesome. I thought that was great, and when you see Eric's actual sketch, it is spot on. Like, it is clearly sketched by, you know, like a, an 11-year-old or 10-year-old or whatever Eric was at the time. But to actually compare that to the final figure, and Eric had told me that he challenged himself to try to stay as true to the original design sketch as he could. And it is. It is spot on. I mean, the cylinders on the front, that, that big tube coming out of his head, the cybernetic leg, it's, it's super, super cool. That is really cool. Now, one thing you just mentioned about the expressive heads, I agree with you, but at the same time, there is an aspect of that that bums me out. Okay. So I'm curious what your take is. Um, Knox Vol, Novi and Lean, they both come with more stoic heads and expressive heads. In the case of Novian, he's got his mouth wide open. Um, the Scorpion Lady, uh, Imbera, Jim Jera. She uh, has two faceplates, so not two heads, but similar. She's got that that faceplate with her teeth kind of beard, and then she's got the more stoic one. I do like that as well. However, what bums me out is getting those heads, but not possibly alternate heads to make totally different characters. So take Novian, for instance. Novian, you have a head where Novian is, you know, like angry with his mouth open and one with his mouth closed. Whereas in the past, you mentioned Magnus. With Magnus, you get Magnus's normal head and then you get a helmet that allows you to kind of turn that figure into a totally new character. I always liked that. I always liked being able to get figures and they have two different heads so you can really use them as almost two totally distinct characters. That's the only thing that bums me out a little bit, possibly losing that. Um, and it makes me wonder, and I don't know this for a fact, so I'm speculating, with the rise of so many third-party companies, 
you know, doing heads that allow you to make these characters into totally different, totally different characters. I wonder if there's a thought process of them not having to do that as much, but instead finding value in those alternate looks for the individual characters. Well, well, it makes sense because, I mean, you know, you and I both are involved in third-party printing uh, companies, I guess you'd say. Um, and, you know, what's something – I can think of something that we probably wouldn't do in Wolf King, and that is make a Magnus head that is screaming. We, we wouldn't step on that. We wouldn't cross that line. So that's something that's kind of sacred. And, yep. you know, so now if, but if the horseman give us it, that's awesome. And, and yeah, you're right. And then we can, we can, you know, maybe focus on the other things. I, I like it. I see, I understand where you're coming from though. I, I, I do. Uh, the, the easy answer is just, they're going to have to start giving us three heads. Yeah. There we go. You know, we're never happy. No. Never happy. No. <laughs> so I do like Kane Oxvall. Very cool design. Um, I love the I love the backstory on him. Makes me like him even more. Um, I like the fact that his story is that he's not some mindless brute, you know. Because when you first see him, he looks like that character in the '80s sci-fi movie where the hero is, you know, thrown into the ring and then you know the gates slowly open. I mean, honestly, kind of like in Thor Ragnarok where the gates open and Hulk comes out. It's yeah. that big giant hulking, you know character that comes out when you read his bio he's actually not a mindless brute he was taken from his home world um specifically because of his you know cybernetic enhancements and fighting prowess um and all he really wants to do is get back home so i dig that kind of subverting your expectations a little bit with things like that with the storyline so all of those elements make me like kane oxival even more and he looks like Quake. If you know who Quake is. I don't know who Quake is. Well, I should say I should say his gritted teeth version kinda that's who he reminds me of. There's a, a new adventures uh Masters of the Universe character and the colors don't re- match or anything, but for some reason about that face, uh he looks like this this character that the horsemen have sculpted because they did the Masters of the Universe classic line and it looks a little bit like that. Um of course, the the uh, Master Universe Classics one's a little bit goofier, but um, yeah. You know who else he could be like? Who? Just picture this. Yeah. Grimace from McDonald's. Yeah. If he got really pissed and really swole. Yeah. Yeah. In cybernetic. Having that purple body's gonna be fun. Yeah. For different reasons i can see i'll steve i will tell you after the reveal special when these five figures were put because we had intern for a day they were in the back room we put these all out on a table in the center of the main space so after the broadcast was done they could all come out and see them seeing them lined up on that table and it was interesting because it was the first time that many of us, including Eric, had seen them side by side like that. Because remember, these things are in pieces. So it's the first time that they were really put all together like that. It is such an impressive wave. The color choices, um, the silhouettes of these characters, it's just 
that's one of the things I'm loving about Cosmic so much is the bold color choices that they've been using. I think these things are going to look so good. We put them together in our display cases. Oh yeah. Your eyes are going to, eyes are going to dance all over the place. So, so we got two, we got two more in the wave. Uh, Imbera Jim Jera, the scorpion lady. She's the one, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the people that have been joking around about the turkey on her head, um, which I did not see. I saw this thing in person, never noticed that. I do see where they're coming from now. Um, I think this is an awesome figure. It, it's a great figure. And, uh, you know, I don't care if it does look like a turkey. It also looks I like, like a, it looks like a crazy scorpion kind of bug thing, too. So... Um, <laughs> I like turkey. I do like turkey. <laughs> um, no, I mean, that's, a, that's kind of, you know, it's funny, but she is, she is cool. And it's, when I watched the reveal, I didn't watch it on a very, um, good screen. I can't remember where I was. I think I was in Florida. I was in Florida and I was, I was watching it on my phone and I could not pick up the translucency. Yeah at all when I watched it. So I, I, I remember Cornboy kept saying that this was his favorite in the, in, in, in the, um, in the wave. And I kept thinking, I wonder, you know, it seemed odd to me that he liked it so much. And then when I saw Trevor's pictures and I could kind of see more what she is, she is, she's, she's pretty cool. Well, I'll tell you, Steve, the pictures don't do it justice. Nice. I like it. That Take that Trevor. He's getting beat up on this show. I like it. No, I mean, when you see it, that that translucency is really, really cool. You know, the fact that I, because I, she's actually the first one I had seen painted. Um, and I was talking to Cameron about it, who painted it. And, you know, <clears throat> looking at like sand scorpions, you know, that have that kind of translucency to their limbs, that's what he was going for. And, you know, it looks really cool and I can always appreciate it when the people involved talk about the thought process behind the decisions, you know, as a designer, I love hearing about that thought process and why things were done. And it makes me appreciate the end result that much more, but, but she's super cool. I can't wait to see it with the bendable tail because right now it's clearly not a bendable tail. It's, you know, resin printed, um, but to see the kinds of poses we're going to be able to get once we've got that flexibility in that piece there. I also think that, and I said this on my show, the parts, the, the non-armored parts of this figure are so non-cosmic like specific that you can swap this with some armor from Mythic Legions and very, very much make a mythic legions type scorpion demon lady. Um, I think this one to me, this is probably going to be the sleeper of the wave. This is the one that I see the fewest people talking about, which always means to me that she's going to be the one that people under order. So when the wave hits, they're like, Oh, I need her. It's that, it's that kind of, you know, self-serving prophecy where not as many people order it which means more people want it, 
but because not a lot of people ordered it, there's not a lot to, more to go around. Right. So you you see that with some of these figures all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, she's pretty cool. So let me ask you this, Jeremy. Do you remember when we first saw Cosmic Legions unveiled the first wave and a lot of people kept saying, I thought I'd see like a traditional alien and they were kind of let down? Yep. Alien and Space Marine, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guess what? Looks like we got more of a traditional alien here. Yeah. And I like it. I like it too, and I like it because it still feels like a Legion's figure. You know, it's not like, hey, let's make a classic gray alien figure. They, it feels to me like they said, no, let's make a Legion's figure that's inspired by classic gray aliens. Like it's got those design elements in it that you expect from, you know, this type of classic alien. But at the same time, it feels very much at home in this universe. Agreed. Agreed. I feel like such a, a lame dude because I sit here. And I, I feel like I never say anything negative, you know, like we should be like, like people are just like, oh, they're just going to love everything. But it's true. I just, I like all this stuff. It's, it, it's, it, they're, 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 they're batting a thousand here. Um, yeah. For me, you know, for my personal tastes, this is, this is, this is what I like. And I love how they do that. I love how um they're able to, to do that. They can almost take a, a silhouette of what you think something should be like, well, in this case, a gray alien, you know, and, and you're like, okay, this is the silhouette of it. And then you see the horseman version and it still kind of fits in that silhouette, but it's different enough and got enough coolness to it that it's just enough different that you're like, it's, it's also a different take. And I, I can't wait to get my hands on that sucker. I mean, I get the comment of they never say anything negative, but look, don't don't come and talk to us if you want. There's so much negativity out there. You can find some, you know. Yes, we drink the Kool-Aid. Shit, I help make the Kool-Aid, okay? Yeah. So I do love everything they do. I mean, I'm happy to say there are figures that aren't my favorites. You know, there are figures that I like less than others. But I think that they have – they have these decisions dialed in. You know, I love what they're doing. I love this entire wave. Yep. And then if I remember right, isn't the, isn't the all in price like 200 bucks? $200, which um, is actually, I think that if you price everything individually, it's like 239. Um, Cause I remember when we were talking about pricing going from 239 to 200, it was, they always like it to be about the cost of a figure. And I remember thinking it's actually a few dollars more than the cost of a figure. So $200 for an all in, you know, I say to people all the time, if there's one that you're not sure about, if there's a couple you're not sure about and you can afford them, get them because you may find that in hand, you like it so much more than you expected or if you get it in hand and you are like, you know what? Yeah, this one's not for me. 
you will have no problem. At that point, that $37 figure is going to be a minimum of $50 everywhere else. You will have no problem being able to trade that for something else, flip that and get your money back. Yeah, smart. Very smart. I've done that. I've been on the fence of on figures, not like on the fence of just not that on the fence of whether I like it, but like, do I really need it? And every time I have used that logic to coax me into saying, yep, I need it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And I have never once gotten rid of a figure in my collection that I didn't have another of that figure yet. So, um, that's just my personal experience so far. It's, it's, they, I always, I always like them more in hand and I don't know. I just like variety. Even if I don't, you know, I mean, just having that in the mix, you know, there are characters that, like I, like Jeremy said, they're not all my favorites. There's some I like less than others, but having them in the mix with the favorites makes your favorites look cool. Yep. So. As far as this wave goes, um, I mean, obviously I'm getting all of them to display as is. I'm going to get a number of extra grave keepers to use for customizing. I'm also going to get a few just to put aside because I know that those body parts are going to come in useful. I'm going to get a couple extra Novian leans because I really think his body parts are going to be super useful. Um, like I said, I want, I want to, you know, make a, a mythic version of the scorpion character. Um, I also think those super long limbs on Aya Cypidian, the gray alien, those are 2.0 size limbs, or at least the sockets are. I think that we can do some incredibly creepy, ghoulish, weird type characters with those limbs. So I'm pretty excited for that as well. Um, Kanox Vol is the only one from a customizing standpoint that I don't immediately have tons of ideas for, but that's only because he's brute scale and we haven't, we don't have a ton of brute scale pieces yet, but uh, even him, you know, I've learned my lesson. I'm going to pack a few extras away just to have for customizing ideas in the future. Nice. Yeah. I'm going all in. I don't know. Probably all in a couple times um, on this. I don't know if I'll pick up a few figures in quantity. I mean, if I did, it would probably be that Tusk. I mean, who doesn't want a few of those uh, in their collection or just to have on hand, you know? Yeah. I, I'm an addict. Yeah. I'm an addict. I'm a, I'm a Legion's addict. So if I don't have a few extra in a box somewhere, I start to sweat. And uh, I, could see, I could see Travis having like like 10 of those tough, Tusk Gravekeepers set up. Uh, yeah, I could see him him doing that too. And um, not even knowing it after a few months. Travis, how many of those you got? Yeah, I don't know. I got a few. How many? What would they cost? I don't know. You going to sell them? I don't know. Anyway. So, that being said, uh, I guess we could move on. I guess we're, we're, we're looking at Lithia, right? Lithia is going to be the next thing in our hands, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Lithia is going to be the next thing. Uh, I think I think the latest information on that is it's still listed as quarter two. So quarter two, you know, that, that's, that goes till June. I think it's going to be towards the end of that, that period for sure. Um, 
you know, Chris and George on the weekly show were showing off some of the packaging samples. So this thing is well underway. We're definitely in the home stretch for Alithia. Uh, and then I'm fully expecting that shortly after, I mean, the Alithia shipping process is going to take a little time. It was a heavily ordered wave. Um, but I would assume that by the time they're through that process, we'll probably be looking at deluxe Legion builders. Nice. So we're going to probably end up with a, with a very legions filled summer. Yeah. I think that early, early summer we'll probably be seeing a lithia late summer. We'll probably be seeing uh, deluxe Legion builders give us a lot of new stuff to work with and really set the stage well for, you know, the end of the year and some of the, some of the cool stuff that'll be coming. You know, you're a real jerk, Jeremy Gerard. And I'll I, why is that, Stephen? Because historically, it always seems because of the location of where you live, you're the first one to get your hands on these figures. And now you work there. And so, <laughs> like, the chances of you just, like, being grabbing them from even getting them earlier, it's not fair. I don't – it's just not fair. I think you should yeah, be last I'm, once. I'm going to plan my, cause I go into the office at least once a month for a few days. I'm going to plan my visit, my trip for when those are there so I can come over with them. Wow. No shame. He just says it right in front of us. He's like, no, that's, that's what I'm doing. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, now we got that under control. What else we got to talk about, Jeremy? So there was a topic that I wanted to talk about a few weeks ago. Um, <laughs> last time we did the show. Uh, I know people love it when we talk about lore. So I thought it would be a lot of fun if we talked about the order of Etheron. So I just said cool things that are going to be happening towards the end of the year Anybody that can, you know, kind of, you know, do some deductive reasoning knows that there's been a horseman wave every single G-Con for the last three G-Cons leading up to this year, which would be Necronominus versus the Order of Etheron. So we're going to be seeing, you know, some attention on this, this faction. Um it's interestingly a faction that I don't hear a ton of people talking about outside of the Templars, but if you dig into the lore, I think there's some really interesting stuff that is in the lore already. And just starting with the faction page, it actually explains the the faction as uh, an order is an organization steeped in religious tradition which was formed to combat the congregation of Necronominus and the unholy forces under its command. So that makes a lot of sense. These are, these are the, the holy warriors. Uh, thanks to the guidance of Sir Gideon Heavensbrand, the order is in the process of emerging from a long period marred by scandal and corruption. So that's something that I thought was really interesting, that we've got this religious type organization but some of the first things we learn about them are that they've spent these years as it says marred by scandal and corruption 
Yeah, that's uh, it's like it's interesting, you know. You get what 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 could what did they do? What 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 was the scandal? What was the corruption? You know, what did they come back from? Is there are people are people uh, uh, not trusting of them now because of their past, or has that been you know? Is there so much so many questions there? I mean, they give you some words and they give you some answers and tell you some things, which raises a gazillion questions. Well, the the bio for Sir Valgard, I think, is the one that probably talks about it the best, and it says. Uh, as a veteran warrior who once fought under Sir Gabriel Heavensbrand's leadership. So Sir Gabriel Heavensbrand is Sir Gideon's father. Um, Sir Valgard offers wisdom and guidance to Heavensbrand's son, Sir Gideon, in the newly enlightened age of the Order of Etheron. Here's where it goes into the past a little bit. It says, long ago, the Order was a shining star among the factions. It was both devout and righteous. But as time passed, the faction became corrupt, deteriorating into an institution afflicted by greed and discrimination that sought to serve the needs only of the wealthiest denizens of mythos. So it sounds like there that it was pretty much overtaken by rich people who were more interested in their own self, you know, their own self-interest, their own greed, as opposed to the kind of holy mission that the the order was founded under sure makes sense makes sense that they would be you know i mean gideon heaven's brand has some flashy armor he, he, does. he does speaking of flashy armor if we look at the sergnacious character it talks about that he was once a denouncer of the order in its flawed ways he was an integral part of the Order's reformation and Sir Gideon's rise to leadership. After so many years of frustration with the very institution that he swore to serve, Sir Ignatius is finally at peace with himself as a warrior in this time of great unrest. So I, I just I thought this was this was interesting because it, you know, it made sense to have one of the heroic factions be kind of this holy faction. You know, the fact that we've got the Templars that are part of that faction, you know, makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I've heard some people question whether, because, you know, obviously we have Templar Knights in our world. That's that's a design element. That's a character from our, our own reality. I've heard some people say they don't love that Templars are in mythos because it, it, it takes them out of the fantasy. I personally like that. I like seeing elements I recognize in fantasy um, so it works for me, the fact that they're religious characters, but I, I like the way the story is set up where, you know, they've, they've been down, they've had their own problems, um, because where we are in the realm of mythos with the rise of the Dark Four, you know, we think about the fact that the Dark Four at one point were here and the Great Beasts banished them, something has to happen to allow those dark four to come back. Um, and the fact that one of these heroic factions, you know, suffered under so many years of greed, I think is an interesting storyline. And it's something that I don't hear a ton of people talking about. I hear them more focused on, you know, the Templars and the Holy Order and stuff like that, and not so much their flawed past. Yeah, interesting. So this Gideon Heavens brand, He's got to be one heck of a righteous dude, right? I mean, he bring, he's bringing the order back from 
from corruption. I mean, that's that's not an easy thing to do, especially when something's already down that path. So, I mean, he is. I wonder. I wonder what we would see in a in a Gideon Heavensbrand, like 2.0. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see that. And here's a and thought I've and I don't I don't I don't think you've. I think I can ask this of you because I don't think you know the answer, so I think you can speculate. But do you think that they will ever in the story kill a character? Um. Yeah, I'm sure. You think that's possible? Yeah, I think that characters could die. I mean, I think that good storylines, you have to have a sense of loss. Yeah. Yeah. Even something, speaking of fantasy, you know, even looking at fantasy, obviously you go to Lord of the Rings, okay? The fact that of the Fellowship, Gandalf falls but then comes back stronger than ever. Boromir, who from the beginning is the most flawed member of the Fellowship, is the only one, when all said and done, who actually falls. I always thought that... I always thought that it was surprising that more members of the Fellowship didn't die during that adventure. Um, And for me, as wonderful a story as it is, it took a little bit of kind of, I guess, the believability, which, of course, is weird to to use that word when we're talking about stories like this. But still, it took a little bit of that believability out of it. Um, It's akin to, you know, G.I. Joe cartoons where there's tons of lasers flying around and the only characters being hit by them are the, you know, the android troopers. Um, So bringing it around to your question do I think that they might kill somebody? I would hope so, because I think that the kind of battles and scale of warfare that we're talking about, the odds that no one falls, it would be impractical. Interesting. I think that that would be, I think that that would be actually pretty cool. It would raise the stakes as, you know, uh, you talked about believability in a story, but I think it's, it's more about relatability um, than believability. I mean, to put to put yourselves related to be relatable to characters is 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 is, is a very important and when uh you being relatable not only to characters but relatable to situations and and, and if you're in a, this situation of of threat and nobody's nobody's taking it in the in the chest um it's it's not it becomes less relatable um i agree completely yeah you you've got to have a sense of You've got to have a sense of loss. You've got to have a sense of, you know, there being consequences, you know, otherwise it's just, it doesn't have that same kind of gravity to do it. So the reason I had that thought, the reason I thought of that is because where I was just babbling on about how great Gideon Heaven's brand should be. And I thought Mm -hmm. they should kill him. Kill that guy. Yeah, kill him. He's great. He's he's if he's that good of a dude, to lose that character would be very. Uh, that would take a story in a different direction, and and it would be it would be kind of cool. So, and to your point about him being a pretty righteous dude, I mean, for him to reform, because if you think about what we've just heard, the fact that the order fell to corruption because of greed and so forth. 
I mean, you're trying to change uh, a faction where you're trying to remove from power people who are, you know, wealthy, who are powerful, and you're trying to take away their their income. You're trying to take away their their, you know, influence. That 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 is the definition of an uphill battle. So for him to have accomplished that is definitely a uh, a testament to the kind of character that he's going to be in this storyline. Nice. You got anything else? I think that's about it. I just, like I said, I thought that that was an interesting, an interesting aspect of the faction. Um, like I said, I don't hear a lot of people talking about that faction. I think we'll hear more about it. You know, obviously this year, once we get a spotlight on them, because I didn't hear a lot of people talking about Poxis or Basilia before we got the Poxis wave. And now they're a lot more top of mind. So I think we will get that. Um, I, I, I'm super excited for what we're going to see in that faction and what we're going to see with Necronominus. You know, it's no secret that the skeletons and the knights are two of the most popular kinds of figures in the line. You know, when that first Mythic Regions Kickstarter happened, you didn't hear a lot of people saying like, yes, I finally get orc figures. You know, yes, I finally get, I don't know, a minotaur. People loved them, but it was really great fantasy like knights and skeletons. That was such a hallmark for this line early on. So I'm, for one, very excited to see what we're going to get with this next Horseman Wave. I think it's going to be really cool, you know, to get back to that, like you were you were just kind of alluding to. I mean, can you imagine the going to, to revisit? I mean, I just can't, I can't imagine Eric this many years later getting to revisit those nights and, and those that it's going to be like, it's going to be, it's going to be mythic. It's going to be legions on steroids. I think that they're just going to, they're just going to be, I can't wait to see what he does. I am speechless. It's going to be interesting because remember all of that stuff in, in, you know, 1.0 was sculpted um, in clay. So, for him now to be able to, you know, be working the way he is digitally. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be very, very interesting for sure. Ah. And I mean, I think we're seeing that, you know, he's talked about the fact that the cosmic line that from day one was sculpted uh, digitally. So everything in cosmic is digital and, I think what he's able to do, some of the design decisions that they're able to make because of that platform, you know, have made those first few waves, uh, you know, as strong as they are. So, yeah, it's I mean, we see it every wave, right? I mean, the Poxis wave, the Alithia wave was a new high watermark. The, the Poxis wave is a new high watermark. I think we're going to get that again for sure. I'm super excited. And I, again, I am, and I am excited to learn more about these factions. Cause like you, Steven, I am an actual, actual lore junkie as well. So to learn more about this unfolding storyline. I, I cannot, I cannot say enough about how exciting that is. Awesome. 
All right, everybody, I think that's probably the end of Chapter 31. I'd like to thank you for your time. Hope you enjoyed this. Jeremy appreciates it as well, don't you, Jeremy? I appreciate it so much, Stephen. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, anyways, we're going we're gonna to go away, and uh, I don't know. Hopefully we get back in two weeks. That's my plan. We'll see if it happens. We've said that before. We're going to try, so... Anyways, until then, we will see you around the land of mythos.